0: Good morning once again and welcome. Again, my name's Craig. I'm a senior pastor and it is our privilege to have you with us as we've gathered together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Acts in just a few minutes. Acts chapter 15, so you can go ahead and start turning there. Let me give you a couple of announcements that you need to know about. Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate. I announced a couple of weeks ago that we paid off the mortgage. And so we certainly are excited about that. Next Sunday, we're going to celebrate. We'll uh Uh, Have a a bit of a a moment of celebration as we look at what God's done and burn that mortgage note that arrived in the mail for us this week, so uh, we'll be ready to do that and try to not set off the smoke alarms or anything, but uh, we're good, awesome, yeah, we found out we don't have smoke alarms in here, just fire alarms apparently, I don't know, regardless, it'll be worth it, it's going to be exciting, show up, maybe you'll see the fire department. Um, So uh, please be here. A
1: couple other things, Uh, if you're a guest with us this morning, I'm so grateful that you're here. Um, and, and we really need you to do us a favor. I, please fill out the connection card. It's on your bulletin uh, right here. You can tear it off. Um, if, if you're like the 15th time you've visited with us, but you've never done that for us, we need you to do it. So if you're a guest or if you are one of our people, I want you, uh, look, we don't do this much. I want you to pull your phone out in church.
0: Everybody get it out. Go ahead. We're going to take a minute. Hurry up. Come on. Look at that. Our teenagers are winning. Good job, guys. They knew where theirs were. Okay, pull it out. All right. Now, some of you are going to be able to pull this off, and some of you are going to struggle. But for a lot of you, if you'll turn the camera on on your phone, like I did, and then on the back side of your worship folder, if you'll point it at that little QR code, crazy things happen if you have an iPhone. Now, some of you that are, use droids are struggling, and that's why you shouldn't have one. Um,
1: <laughs> but if you point at it, right, it pops up, and it, it gives you a chance
0: To go to malvernhill.org. So you click on it. Click. Good job. Some of y'all are not following instructions. Well, you failed kindergarten, didn't you? Um, So here's what happens when you click on that. There's a lot of things. One of those is
1: an online connection card. So if you're a guest with us and you've never filled it out, you don't have to tear it off. You can fill it out online. And right now, nobody's going to think you're texting in church. Just fill it out. Okay, I'd like to drop you a letter in the mail. We want to know you were here, so do that for us. It helps us out a ton. But here's the reason that those of you who are not guests pulled out your phones today. It's because we need you. Now, something awesome just happened, and most of you didn't miss it, but some of you have gotten so used to it, you don't appreciate how awesome it was. Baptism, yes, but then after baptism, we saw like 400 children walk out of our sanctuary. Isn't that cool? That's great, right? How many of y'all, when you tell somebody about our church, you tell people about how many children and young people there are? Raise your hand. Put them up. Good, good. How many? You don't have to put your hand up. How many of y'all who are bragging about how many children and young people we have are stepping up to the plate and helping serve those children and young people?
0: Right?
1: Right? We're going to get to the sermon in a minute, but let me tell you something. In the next three months, we're going to have 14 babies in our nursery. Okay? Yay! They keep getting born, right? It's awesome. They keep getting born. We've got, you know, there's some of them in the sanctuary right now. Mamas ain't letting them out of their arms yet. Okay? Part of the reason is because there's just not enough people to rock babies in the nursery right now. We have a lot of needs in our children's ministry. Not because we don't have a lot of people serving, but because you saw. We have a whole church that leaves on Sunday mornings, right? So, I took you to the volunteer form. If you're a member here, that also gets emailed out to you every Friday in your member's newsletter. Please open that email. There's a little link. Some of y'all that say, I didn't know what was happening,
0: it's because you didn't read the email. I'm going to wear a shirt one day that says it's in the bulletin or it was in the email, all right? Um, it's a little pastor's joke, but we, we say it all the time. Okay, look, I just need you. We, before we leave here, I need to pick up eight or
1: ten more volunteers in our children's ministry today. So fill out that online form and somebody will contact you. If you would rather speak to a person, that's fine. Erin Taylor is sitting in the front. She's wearing a white wool coat. And after service she's going to be right up here and she would love to talk with any of you What do you need to do to serve in our children's ministry? You have to be a member of our church You have to pass a background check. Those are the two things that we need All right. I need eight or ten of you to step up and I need to be honest I need some of y'all that are above the age of 45 to step up I've got enough 14 year olds right now And if a 14 year old can do it, then a 65 year old can do it. So I need y'all to step up We need this. Okay. All right. Awesome Acts chapter 15, you there? The sermon's going to be worse than that, so. All right, Acts 15, beginning in verse 22, I'm going to ask you if you would stand with me in honor of God's word. The Bible says this. Now, we've been going through the book of Acts for a number of months now. We took a break at Christmas in January, picked back up in February. Pastor Kevin preached last week and talked about the changing church and how we've got to step outside of our ministry boxes. And we kind of pick up on the end of the Jerusalem Council. So if you remember last week, we looked at how they met and they came to some conclusions. Today, what we're seeing is how they put those conclusions into action. So we begin in verse 22. Then it seemed good to the apostles and to the elders with the whole church Although we gave them no instructions, it has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who themselves will tell you the same things by words of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay on you no greater burden than these requirements, that you abstain from what has been sacrificed to idols and from blood and from what has been strangled and from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. So when they were sent off, they they went down to Antioch, and having gathered the congregation together, they delivered the letter. And when they read it, they rejoiced because of its encouragement. And Judas and Silas, who were themselves prophets, encouraged and strengthened the brothers with many words. And after they had spent some time, they were sent off to peace by the brothers, but those who had sent them, or excuse me, to those who had sent them. But Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Let's pray together. Father God, I thank you for this church and for this word. I pray that it would be just alive in our hearts today, that it would sear our consciences and change us. In Jesus' name. Amen. How far will you go? That's not what's exactly written in your, in, your, in your study guide, but I sort of made an adjustment this morning. The question we're going to wrestle with is how far will you go? How far are you willing to go? When we find ourselves here in Jerusalem... Or, or at the Jerusalem Council, it's important for us to remember that the reason that the council was convened is because there were some people that were very uncomfortable with what was taking place in this new church, in this new work of God. And as this new work of God took place and went down, there were people that had gone out from the church and started really bringing some degree of persecution. This is what you have to do if you're going to be a real believer. You, you can't just sort of go about it on your own way. This is You've got to play by our rules. And so Pastor Kevin talked last week about legalism and how legalism takes root when we decide that this is what it has to look like and we don't give freedom to the Holy Spirit of God to move and to work. When we lose sight of the fact that God might work outside of our constraints, that God may work outside of our expectations, when we lose sight of the fact that God is bigger than we are. How many of you know how big God is? Don't say yes because you don't. That was one of our life group questions, though, though this morning was that when we first get saved, we don't really appreciate how big God is, but over time, we sort of grow in our understanding as we sort of fall into who God is. I shared with my life group this morning, one of the, the most amazing things for me as a young person to appreciate how big God was, was for somebody, I was angry at the Lord because of something that took place in my life, something that I experienced. I was so mad. And I had a pastor that said, have you told the Lord about it? And I said, well, I can't tell him that. I ought to tell him I'm I'm mad. And his his response was, he's big enough to hear it. Y'all, that was transformational for me. I appreciated how big God is, or at least had a a greater appreciation, right? And as a father, I have a greater appreciation for that. Because I would much rather my children look at me and say, I'm mad at you and these are the reasons than to just sort of pretend like everything's okay and us live in this weird conflict, right? We want to know. I want to know why you're upset. We find ourselves in this situation with the Jerusalem church and with the apostles, with the early church. They're trying to appreciate and understand just how big God's grace is. How wide is His salvation and how wide is it going to
0: impact the world around them? And so they have a meeting. And in this meeting they come to a conclusion and we saw that just last week. And the conclusion beginning in verse 20 of Acts chapter 15 is that they should write to them to abstain from the things polluted by idols and from sexual immorality and from what has been strangled and from blood. From ancient generations Moses has had in every city those who proclaim him for
1: his red and Sabbath and synagogues. And Pastor Kevin pointed out that what he's really calling, what they're calling on these Gentile believers to do is to turn from abandon their old religious practices and instead to give their lives fully to Christ. This morning, we find ourselves in a situation where the council has convened, they've come to their conclusions, and now it's upon them, it's it's incumbent upon them, it's a requirement for them to take their conclusions and to communicate them with the church in Antioch and beyond. That these Gentile believers would be informed of what has been said by the leaders of the church. And folks, I want you to know that when the church in Jerusalem did this, they had to swallow a lot of pride. They had, they had to get down to bear to brass tacks with what was really going on because they were living inside of a world where they had seen God move in a particular situation, in particular circumstances, with people speaking in a particular kind of way and doing particular kinds of things. And now all of a sudden they learn that God, the Holy Spirit of God, is moving. Without those constraints, and they have to come to terms with that, come to grips with that. And so that's what they've done, and as a result, they sent a letter. But they didn't just write a letter. The Bible teaches us that they actually took some of the leading men in the church, that's some of the leading people in their church, and they, let them, they allowed them, they encouraged them, they sent them with the letter. They sent them with the letter because they understood that their words mattered, but their actions also mattered. And so this morning, we're going to see three things that we can pick up from this passage of Scripture. As you wrestle with how far you're willing to go, we're going to see just how far the church in Jerusalem went and what it is that you have the opportunity to do as we see God continue to move right here at Malvern Hill. The first thing is that actions matter. Actions matter. The council meant to consider all that was happening under the ministry of Paul and his companions, but they didn't just send a simple letter. I just mentioned that a minute ago. They didn't just send a letter. The Bible says that they drafted a letter. They sent it with Paul and with Barnabas. But they also sent two leading men from the church in Jerusalem. Why? Because they understood that actions matter. Our actions scream. Jesus gave a parable in Matthew chapter 21. He says, what do you think? A man had two sons. He went to the first and he said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And the son said, no, I will not. But afterward he changed his mind and went. And he went to the other son, and he said the same. And he answered, I I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the two did the will of his father? He asked this to the Pharisees, and the Pharisees answered. They said, well, the first did. Jesus said, truly, that is right. But then he goes on to warn. He says, tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him, but the tax collectors and the prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe in him. Actions matter. Jesus is looking at this group of Pharisees, and he's saying, you've got all the right words, but you've got all the wrong actions. You claim to be followers of the Lord, but your life doesn't reflect that. And our actions matter for who who we are and what we do. Our actions matter for how it is that we communicate the gospel. Our actions matter for how it is that we spread the love of Christ to the world around us. Well, I, I want you to know this morning that people know you care when you show up. People know you
0: care when you show up. We've got, <coughs> we've got a, a young, young boy in our church who's in a hospital down in Charleston, had some surgery this week. I drove down. The reason I
1: drove down is because I wanted to put my arm around that mom and daddy and tell them I loved them. I wanted to pray with them. I could send them a text message. I could call them on the phone. I could send them a letter. I could Zoom conference with them. I could do anything I want. Well, what I needed to do is to get in my truck and drive two and a half hours and put my arm around those people and say, I love you and your church loves you. Did I really want to drive two and a half hours? No, not any more than any of the rest of y'all do, right? But there's a responsibility that we have that if we want people to know that we love them, we just have to show up. There's a reason that when Christmas comes around, we go to see Mama at Christmas. We don't just send her a card, we go see her. We want her to know that she matters and our actions matter. So I've already mentioned this morning, we brag on our children's ministry as we should. We brag on what God's doing here among our young people as we should. But folks, are we willing to step up and actually serve there? Because when we serve, what we say is not just, hey, that's a cool thing that happens. We say, that's a thing that I'm willing to invest in. That's the thing that matters in my life. I'm willing to do something right there. Our actions matter. You talk about people needing the gospel. But do you show up? Do you show up? You hear us make a a plea for a mission trip, do you show up for the the information meeting and see if maybe that's something you can do? Are you willing to show up and and share the gospel with somebody? Are are you willing to be there? Our actions matter and people know you care when you show up. Folks, talk, text, and social media updates are cheap. Actions are costly, but they count. And they count precisely because they cost, right? Right? It costs you time to schedule a meeting with me and to show up in that meeting. And those meetings matter because we set aside the time to show up and do it, right? As opposed to just dropping a text message that says, Hey, I'm thinking about you. I'll talk to you sometime later on. Somebody has a birthday party. They invite you to the birthday party. You respond with a text message, thanks but no thanks. That doesn't mean nearly as much as showing up. It doesn't mean even if you text them a happy birthday. That still doesn't mean nearly as much as showing up with a cake.
0: I'll let y'all know what kind of mine is. My birthday is another year away, but I mean, I'm just saying if y'all want to show up with a cake, I'll eat it. Truthfully, if you show up with a cake without my birthday, I'm okay with that too.
1: But we've got to do more than talk. The apostles went. Don't miss that. They could have just sent a letter. But they didn't. They sent a letter and they hand delivered the letter. This is one of those soft skills that are important for us in ministry, right? We, we, we can check all the boxes, but sometimes the box that needs to be checked the most is the one that wasn't even on the paper. It's just knowing the best thing to do. It's just showing up because it's the right thing to do. But, but I, I want to point out something here. This, this is actually pretty awesome. So, um, verse 24 says, Since we have heard that some persons have gone out from us and troubled you with words unsettling your minds, although we gave them no instructions... It has seemed good to us, having come to one accord, to choose men and send them to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul. Look at verse 24 again. Somebody went and did something and said something they shouldn't have said, although we gave them no instructions. Adam walked in with a quote the other day. I don't even know where he got it from. He said, pride never loses. Proud people never lose. They at least never admit that they lose. They lose. They're just never willing to acknowledge it. Oftentimes, they lose far more than they, than they know that they're losing because they're unwilling to look in the mirror and be honest about it. Jesus gave uh, uh, an illustration to his disciples about paying a, te- a tax in the temple that he didn't know. Some of you have heard me tell that story. Sometimes we have to pay the tax that we don't know in life. Jesus paid the temple tax even though he didn't know the temple tax. He was the son, he didn't know anything. He was welcome there for free, but he paid it anyway. He said, For what? So as not to give offense. Notice. These apostles that went had done nothing wrong. But they swallowed their pride and went to these churches to apologize anyway. I have met believers who said, I didn't do that and I won't apologize for what I didn't do. Do you know how how awesome we are at justifying our sin? We're great at it. I mean, y'all are really good. See what I did there? We're really good at it. So this is how I actually had, have, have had people uh, to justify their pride and to say, if I were to apologize to that person, then I would be lying because I didn't do anything wrong.
0: Some of y'all have said those words before, haven't you? Look
1: at how these men apologized. They said, we didn't send them to do this, but you were troubled. And because you were troubled, we are here. Because as believers, our responsibility is to bear the burdens of our brothers and sisters in Christ. And our actions matter. Y'all, there are times in our lives... When we just need to extend an olive branch even if we weren't wrong. Sometimes the most humble thing that we can do is just shut our mouths and take it. Jesus did that on our behalf. That's right. Was Jesus lying when he hung on the cross and said these are my sins for these people? There are times when we need to take the burdens from others as best we can. And to meet them where they are. But we got to swallow our pride to be able to do that. We have to swallow our pride. God doesn't use prideful people. I'm tempted to say that God can't use prideful people, but I want to I not go that far. Because here's the thing, if God wants to use you, He might break you in half and then use you. So just be real careful, okay? All right? Actions matter. That's the first thing this morning. Your actions matter. It's not just about your words. you got to do something. So that's the first. But the second thing this morning is we see that words matter. The council didn't just send some people. They sent people with a specific task and a specific message. Some of you have the actions. You love people really well. I mean, honestly, I'm going to tell you, when people visit our church, I get to speak to them. And you know what they say? They say, we felt so welcome. I had somebody call me just a few weeks ago and say, Craig, I visited your church. He said, I couldn't believe, my wife and I could not believe how welcomed we were made to feel while we were there. We lost count of how many people welcomed us and thanked us for being there. That's that's what you guys do. Please don't stop. That's excellent. And some of y'all do that in the community. You do all those other things, but we can't just have the actions. You can't just serve people well and love people well. You've got to use the words. You've got to use the words. When people say, Why do you do this? We need to be honest. When we do this, because Jesus Christ matters, because the gospel is important. See, integrity is when our words and our actions match. A structure has integrity when that structure does that for which it was created to do. We talked about this in my equipping study last week. So if we have a roof here, this roof has integrity if the roof is, is, is supported. If it's keeping us dry, okay? If, if an engineer were to tell us this roof doesn't have structural integrity, then we won't be in this room. You understand? we got to get out because it can't be trusted. It's going to fail. This is where our actions and words have to match up because when they do, then we are people of integrity. When I have actions that speak of Jesus and I have words that speak of Jesus, then I'm a person of integrity. The worst thing, of course, is that we can have words that speak of Jesus and actions that speak of the devil. Right? That words that speak of Christ and actions that show our our, our commitment is only to ourselves. You know what we show ourselves to be in that moment? Untrustworthy. People without integrity. And just like people aren't going to sit under a roof that doesn't have integrity, they're not going to hear a message from people without integrity. We'll come back to that in a minute. But part of what we're supposed to do is to disciple other believers and to build up other Christians. We're to to do that, and that requires words. Our words matter. It's not just enough that we make people feel good when they get here. We've got to be speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That the word of God has to come from us to one another. We've got to absorb it, and then we've got to give it to others. They didn't just say, hey, listen, um, Silas... Paul, Barnabas, uh, D- Judas, we, we want you guys to run down there. Just give them a big
0: hug. We got some good huggers in this church. I won't call names. I mean, there's some of y'all, I promise. Y'all could, y'all could like, hug somebody and the whole world just stops, right? I had a friend like that growing up, a uh, 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 man a mentor in my life. Man, when that guy gave a hug, like the whole world just ended and you're just enveloped in this giant bear hug from this guy.
1: They didn't say just go give them some hugs and pat them on the back, tell them good job. No, they went with words because words matter. Folks, we are people of the book. And this matters more than anything else. We got to communicate the words. Discipleship requires an exchange of information. So the Bible says that that they went and they were speaking to these people. They, They brought encouragement and they brought the words. But they brought the word, right? When they got there, they read the letter. They didn't just say good job. They read the letter. And again, we, if we're not careful, don't appreciate how much was wrapped up in that letter because we don't live in that time period. We go, well, they told him not to eat anything strangled or with blood in it. And he goes, that's kind of weird. I mean, we get the sexual immorality part. What's the other stuff? Remember, they worshipped. They worshipped in pagan temples that involved sexual acts. The meat that they ate was sacrificed to idols. So they're writing to them and they're saying, Jesus is enough, but be careful that you don't try to worship Jesus in the way that your mama worshipped her pagan gods because this isn't your mama's church. This is something different. But they had to give them the words. You understand? They didn't just go hug it out. They taught them what it looked like to be followers of Jesus. This is discipleship. And listen, discipleship doesn't happen without words. It doesn't happen without words. Constantly encouraging one another, rebuking one another when necessary, building one another up, speaking to one another in the Word of God so that our lives are being changed and transformed. In our life groups, we can't just hang out. There has to be information, accountability. Real discipleship requires real words and real teaching. And we don't need to be afraid of that. I mean, y'all, our discipleship model here at Malvern Hill and our life group model is unbelievably simple. Like, it, it really is. It's so simple that occasionally I have to step back and, and question, hey, are we doing the right thing? Because it's so simple. You know why we feel like we're still doing the right thing? Because God allows us to continue to raise up disciples around here. And, and, and we're convinced that if we take the Word and we preach the Word... And that if we create structures and systems where the Word of God can be applied, then people's lives are going to be changed. But look, you still have to show up in your life groups. And there's got, to be, there's got to be some exchange of information, right? The words are going to matter. If the only thing we do is we come to church and we pat each other on the back and say, great job, man, we might as well go to a football game. You know, if all we did was came and just cheered and got all excited... To some degree, that's, that's what we get in paganism. There's just joy, there's exuberance, there's religious ritual, but there's, there's not actually words. God's given us a word. And in this word, it's, it's a guide for how we live our lives. Okay? And so we have opportunities because our words matter. Our actions matter. Don't miss that, but y'all, our words matter so much. Is this a place where I should also take just a moment to remind you the words outside of the church matter?
0: Probably a good idea, isn't it? Right? The kind of words you use,
1: the way you use those words. Your words can build up or tear down.
0: Some of y'all need to work on your look. Some of y'all are judging me right now when I say that. Because my face speaks louder than my mouth sometimes, right? Right? We
1: have to work on that, don't we? But y'all, are are you known in the community as a person who uses words that build others up? Uses words that speak of the glorious things of God's love? Do people know that about you? Some of y'all, man, I'd feel weird if I did that. You'd you'd feel weird for about five minutes. Then you know what happens? When you become an encourager in the world around you, you begin to build others up. Nobody's really thinking you're weird. They just want to be around you. It's like, man, you, you've said it. She's the nicest person I know. Who's the, who do you know that you just feel better when you're in their presence? Why do you feel better in their presence? Because they hug your neck and they say something nice to you, right? They look you in the eye and they say, you know, you matter to me. Our words matter, folks. Let's make sure that it's not just the words that we communicate with one another in those discipleship processes but it's it's the words that we use outside of this place it's it's the words that we use on social media it's the words that we use in our text messages teenagers it's the words you use with one another right like being a teenager is not always easy okay but at times we've got a responsibility to not just constantly tear each other down but to actually build others up, we need to be intentional about those things. Because that's who we're supposed to be as believers. So they went and they took a letter. So they went, number one. The second thing, when they got there, they actually carried a letter that, that mattered. And discipled the people. So we see actions matter, words matter. But then finally this morning, I say finally, this is the longest point. So don't, don't get too excited. Um, but the gospel matters most. The gospel matters most most look verse 33 but Paul and Barnabas remained in Antioch teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also you know the gospel gets heard when Christians match their words with their actions the gospel gets heard when Christians match their words with their actions remember People are deciding whether they're going to believe the gospel based on your life. Your gospel presentation is not nearly as important as the life that you're living. You might not like that. Do you know why you don't like that? Because it's a lot easier to memorize a good gospel presentation than it is to live 24-7 to honor the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of y'all are so terrified that if you share the gospel, you can get sort of confused and mixed up, and you might not have the answer to a question. Y'all, let me tell you something. Sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ is going to be okay. Folks are willing for you to make a few mistakes along the way. They can handle it if you don't have all the answers, if what they see is a changed life in front of them. Are you living for Christ? Now, Now, hold on. Time out. Just one second. Some of y'all are going, well, when I start living better for Jesus, I'll start sharing the gospel. Wrong answer. Okay? Start preaching the gospel to yourself. Seriously. Start sharing the gospel. You know what begins to happen? Some of you aren't sharing the gospel because you know what's going to happen. When you start telling somebody about Jesus, they're looking at the way you live your life, and you're terrified because you don't really want to see that life change. We got some folks that attend here. Some of you I pray for by name. And I know you've not taken that next step in your relationship with Jesus because deep down inside you know that when you do, your whole life is going to get messed up. You know that when you take that next step, the next thing that's going to happen is that Jesus is going to turn your whole world upside down and you're terrified. Okay, So some of you aren't sharing the gospel truthfully because you recognize that when you do, people are going to start looking at you and they're going to want to know how you're living your life. Folks, let me remind you, The gospel never called us to a lukewarm kind of faith. There's there's no such thing as a halfway Christian. Jesus said, die to yourself, follow me. Take up your cross, follow me. We call on Jesus as Savior and Lord. What does that mean? We make him Lord of our lives. And we say, Lord God, help me to turn from my sin and to follow you. Some of y'all are resting your hopes and your salvation on the fact that you told Jesus 20 years ago that you're going to follow him. But Jesus warned the Pharisees with those words, didn't he? Isn't that what we just read in Matthew chapter 21? What do you think? A man had two sons and he went to the first and said, son, go and work in the vineyard today. And he answered, I will not. But after we changed his mind, some of you know what it's like to have rejected Jesus, but to have changed your mind and turned and followed him. Some of you limp in here every Sunday and you've not made that public profession of faith in Lord Jesus Christ because you know who you were and you know that people know who you were and you're terrified that if you step out that somebody might judge you. Listen to me. Jesus wants to know where you are today, not where you were last Sunday or last Saturday or last week or last month or last year. He wants you at the foot of the cross today. Don't allow your past to handcuff you from your future with Jesus. So that's the first thing, but the second thing, watch. The the other son answered and said, I'm going to handle it. I'm going to go, sir, but he didn't. Some of you said to Jesus 20 years ago that I'll go, but you never took another step. You responded to Jesus with words, but you never gave your life to Christ. And today, today, the prostitutes and the tax collectors are going into the kingdom of God, and you're still living on a lie. Beware! One of the hardest things for me to do is to preach and to give gospel warnings and to see people look at me with lack of care and concern. It terrifies me. Because there are some folks who are more concerned with making certain that they're seen in church than they are. With making certain that one day they'll be seen in God's kingdom. There are some of you that, if you were really honest with yourselves, you're living in sin, but showing up in church every Sunday morning and lying to the world. And you're just like this son Lord, I'll go. But you haven't shown up. You're living in sin, you're living in sexual promiscuity. You're cheating on your spouse, you're lying, you're stealing. And you're still showing up on Sunday morning. It's going to be okay. Listen, some of you need to come today and turn from your sin and turn to Jesus, Please. before it's too late. this is not an academic exercise. This is a plea for heart change and for salvation. Because the gospel matters most. Paul didn't go and keep preaching the gospel just because he wanted to tickle people's ears. It's because he wanted to see these Gentile believers won from their lost state and brought into the kingdom of God. And I stand before you on Sunday mornings not to grow a church, not to please listeners. I stand before you begging just as one beggar to another. Come to Jesus Christ. Some of you have not come to Christ because you're clinging to your pride and you know that to step out of that pew on a Sunday morning and to bow before the Lord Jesus Christ is to lose your pride. But I'm telling you, pride will not enter the kingdom of God. Some of you are choosing to win in this life and in so doing you're choosing to lose your everlasting soul. The gospel only gets heard when Christians match their words and their actions. Some of you can't match your words and your actions because you're speaking Christian words, but there is no Christ in your heart. There is no integrity for you because you're living a lie. And y'all, I don't say that to you today out of anger. I don't say that to you today to embarrass you in front of the world. I say that to you today because Jesus Christ loves you and died on a cross to save you from your sins. And He desires a relationship with you. But you can't have that until you sacrifice everything else and come to Christ. We'll have an invitation in a few minutes. I wonder if there's any of you that are willing today to finally confess your sin and to repent. You say, Craig, you don't know what it might cost me. I, you're right. But I know what, it will, what you can
0: gain. Side note, if you're worried about what it will cost you, let me just remind you, the lie that you're living is going to eventually run out and it's
1: going to cost you anyway. The question is whether or not you're willing to cash
0: out that lie and have Jesus. Or you want to ride that line, hold on to Satan's promises.
1: The gospel matters most. The gospel only gets heard when people are present to hear it. This matters for inviting people to church. For making room in worship and in life groups. That's why we continue to multiply our life groups. You know
0: one of the biggest challenges we had as a church 10 years or so ago. Was, was committing to more and more life groups. If you're not a part of a life group. Li- listen to me. If you're not a part of a life
1: group. You've got, you got to get into one. Matter of fact, Aaron will be standing up here to take volunteers. Pastor Kevin, will you stand up here this morning? If you're not involved involved in a life group, come see Pastor Kevin this morning. He's going to help you find one. You say, Craig, do I really need one? You do. There's too many people here. You don't know them all. You're going to fall through the cracks if you're not part of a life group. You're not going to be growing in Christ if you're not part of a life group. You say, I'm a little uncomfortable. I don't know what that looks like. Okay, come talk to Pastor Kevin. He's uncomfortable too. Okay? Listen, if, if you're sitting out there this morning... You're involved in a life group here. You see somebody sitting around. You're not sure if they're plugged into a life group. How about just, how about just be a big boy, put on your big boy pants and say, Hey, my name's Craig. I, I, don't, I don't really know you. I'm not sure if you've visited with us before, but if you don't have a life group, I'd love for you to come and, and visit my life group with me. we got to get people plugged in. we gotta, we got to have more. But, but why do we have to keep having more? Our life group attendance, our average increased by 16 from January to February. That's a whole life group. That's a whole life group we got to have another one. Some of you that are just listening in life groups have got to get off the sidelines and jump in. we got to have some people that step up and say, I'm I'm, I'm willing to lead. I'm ready ready to learn. But it only only gets heard when people are present to hear it. This is why I'm announcing the need for children's workers today. This is why I'm still talking about it right now. Because there are people who need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, but who might not be here if they don't feel like it's a safe place for their kids. we got to have enough people to rock babies and teach children we got to have it, right? And if i got to guilt you into it, I will. But I shouldn't because the gospel matters enough for us to do little hard things so that great things can take place. People can only be here if we create space, and part of creating space is creating healthy, safe environments for kids and teenagers. It's about making sure there's seats for people to sit in. It's about making sure that people are welcome when they come in the door. We've got all those responsibilities. It's about making sure that you're inviting them to show up. Inviting them. The gospel matters most. But the gospel also only gets heard when the gospel is actually preached. Man. Right? What? You mean we have to actually use the words? Yes. The actual gospel words? Yes. You've got to actually present it. You say, Craig, I don't think they want to hear it. Okay. Not everybody does. But trust me on this. More people are open than you give credit for. Folks, I am almost never turned down when I ask somebody if I can speak to them about the gospel. Almost never turned down. When Paul finished, they didn't go on some sort of celebration tour. They got back to preaching the gospel. Because they got back to the things that matter. Remember, the purpose of the Jerusalem Council was not to establish winners and losers, but to further the gospel. We've got to keep the gospel central and always remember that God's glory and God's gospel are to be our primary motivators. Now, look, we do some things that are sort of in between around here. One Sunday I preach in jeans, one Sunday I preach in a suit. I don't know what I'm wearing today, I forgot, but but why? Right, because we got all kinds of people that are showing up here. Those things aren't accidental for me, that's on purpose. I want to do everything I can to make sure that folks feel comfortable. Some of y'all couldn't care less if I showed up in jeans and a t-shirt from now on. Some of y'all are thrilled to death every time I show up in a suit and tie. And I know those of you because y'all make sure to tell me how good I look. And I love y'all for it. <laughs> I love it. Most of y'all are over 60 and you say, oh, you look so handsome today. And I say, please tell Angela. Please <laughs> tell her.
0: You know? Right?
1: We, we, we try. We, we do some things differently. We, we sort of keep... But why? Because the gospel matters enough for us to do some things differently. There's some of you that would, would be a lot more comfortable if I showed up in a suit every Sunday. Some of you more comfortable the music was one way or the other. Some of you probably didn't like the fact that the announcements happened before service this morning instead of in the middle of service. Get used to it. It's going to keep that way. Um, but look, that, that's, none of those things are because we're trying to upset people. or, or It's because the gospel matters the most, right? There's some things that we do as a church that that aren't the way I would prefer to do them. And that's just the truth. I'm forced as we've grown to lead in ways that I don't necessarily love. Our staff loves to pick on me and make fun of me about this. But see, here's the reality. I like y'all, the ones of you I know. But as we grow, watch, hold on. As we grow, there's so many of you that I just don't know. That's required a different mindset, a different shift for me. I got to be okay with the fact that I don't get to care for everybody. I got to be okay with that. Y'all got to be okay with that. We all got to, most of y'all are fine with it. Like, I love y'all. I check, hey, I didn't know you were in the hospital. Is everything okay? Well, I'm fine. My deacon checked on me. I'm good. Y'all are great about that, right? That's wonderful. Good job for our deacons. I'm, I'm still in the background feeling guilty. It's a false guilt. It's a wrong guilt. It's not a right guilt. God's called me to lead you guys. But I just want you to know that as as, as things change, there are things that are still a little uncomfortable for me too, right? We're all shifting and changing. But the gospel only gets heard when it's actually preached. And sometimes the preaching of the gospel brings about results that don't necessarily fit within our preconceived notions. And as a result, the gospel never changes, but we do. We do. Our methods might change. The way things look might change. It's okay to preach in jeans or a tie. It really doesn't matter all that much because the gospel is the same and it has to be preached. But y'all, it has to be preached. It has to be preached publicly. It has to be preached privately. It has to be preached in your homes, in your life groups, on your jobs. It has to be preached in your schools. It has to be preached in a grocery store. It has to be preached at Walmart. Oh, Walmart needs all of it. It's got to be preached. It's got to be preached. Because it is the only hope for all the world. That's it. That's it. Your actions matter. Your words matter. But all of those things only matter because the gospel matters most. It matters the most as a church. That's where we've got to be focused. Over and over and over. Relentlessly focused on preaching the gospel. And bringing as many people as we can to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, that means that we've got to take every step we can take to bring as many people as possible. The Lord's given me more clarity and passion in the past two or three weeks. I've had a very long time and a clear understanding that our responsibility as a church is to make a huge impact right here, right here. I don't know how many people that is. I know there are 75,000 people in this county and most of them need the gospel of Jesus Christ and we got to get off of our seats and out there and reach those folks. And it's going to be hard and it's going to be costly and it's going to be challenging. Challenging. But people of integrity have to be people of word and action. And when we say that we're a gospel people, then we claim to be a word of God people. And we've got to be the kind of people that are proclaiming that word of God to everybody around us. Where does that leave us? It leaves me yelling and y'all sitting there listening to a whole lot, doesn't it?
0: Here's the question. How comfortable are you willing to be for others to hear the gospel? See, I don't remember. There's probably somebody here in the office. So we got, I don't know. I'm, I'm an external processor, which is, if some of y'all have extra time on your hands, email Ginger and let her know, because everybody in the office would be happy to have somebody else to come sit in my office sometimes for me just to talk through things with. Because um, I, I, I process out loud, and so
1: somebody's be walking down the hall, and i hey, can you come here for a minute? And they're like, huh, yeah, what, what you need? I just sit down. I need to talk through this. And, and by talk through this, I don't actually mean I need an opinion. I, I just need to get it all out, right? And, and they have to listen. And then they go, okay, well, what, what do you want from me? I'm, no, no, no. We got it. We're good now. And they're like, great. You just wasted 27 minutes of my time. How uncomfortable are you want to be further to hear the gospel? How willing are you to celebrate God's work, even, even, even if it means you being uncomfortable? Anyway, part of this external process, and this week we're talking through this sermon, and somebody said to me, I, 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 don't, I don't know that, that the church was, that the, 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 the Jerusalem church was that uncomfortable with what God was doing. And that's where we got to run all the way back up. Remember verse 24? There were some people there, like the leadership was okay, but there were some people there that were uncomfortable enough that they had gone to Antioch and started stirring up trouble. Do you understand that most of those people were probably not bad people? Like We, we read this and we go, they're bad. Let me tell you what they were. They were, they, they were KJV people. And I ain't picking on y'all. Like, I'm not. They were KJV only people. I don't know if you know. We have some folks in our church that are just KJV. And I, I, I still love to read the Psalms from the King James. Right? There are people that love Jesus dearly and just can't wrap their brain around the fact that somebody would ever preach God's Word in a way that seems a little bit a little bit more common as you get from the NIV or the ESV where I preach from. And so it's challenging. And so these people, they, didn't, they weren't bad people. They didn't go down there and be like, y'all don't love Jesus and these are the 18 reasons. Why? No, no, no. They walked down there and said, listen, I know the Lord. I've met Him. I was there with Him from the beginning. And you really need to do this. You need to put your tie on straight. You need to put on the right kind of shoes. Like, I want to walk with you, but I want to make sure you're doing it right. These weren't bad people, understand? They just didn't understand the gospel. They didn't understand the liberty that came with Christ. And as a result, they began to to unintentionally to squelch the movement of God there. So here's the question for us is how uncomfortable are we, are, we, are we willing to be? You know, are you willing to show up at church and, and read from your ESV if the preacher's preaching from the King James and you say, you know what, that's fine because it ain't about me. Are you willing to do that? Are, are we willing to say, you know what, I really wish he wouldn't wear jeans, but he did and it's okay because it ain't about me. You know, that music ain't exactly what I'd like, but it's okay because it ain't about me. But look, 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 look. We got to finish. I've gone way long this morning.
0: We had one goal this week, which was for me to not go past eleven thirty-five. It's way past eleven (laughs) thirty-five. No, it's not. Shh. Listen. Oh, oh, oh. wait, 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 wait. Let's finish this. See the question is how uncomfortable you're willing to be. But the truth is we gotta take it that next step. Are, Are you willing? Are you willing to move so far in your relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ that you would move from uncomfortable to celebrate? Look what
1: God's done. Look what He's doing. How many of you would cast your pride in and say, that's not the way I would do it, but I would have probably broken it. Praise the Lord. He figured out a better way because my way wasn't getting it done. Here's your invitation this morning. How many of you are willing to celebrate God's work if it looks different than you expected? Number one. Number two, how many of you are willing to cast your pride in today and finally come forward, give your life to Jesus Christ? How many? I, I'm just, There's some of you that are just hanging on to that pew right now. So today's not today. Because, Craig, I know if I do, everything changes for me. My life gets upside down. How many of you willing to be upside down with the Lord? Let me tell you something. Lost with Jesus and never lost. You understand? Everything else is wrong. Right in Jesus' arms, you're right where you're supposed to be.
0: These disciples, apostles, they went to Antioch and they said, we see that God's doing something amazing here. It's not the way we would have done it. But we want to encourage you. We want to fan it into flame. God's doing some pretty amazing things here. There's some of you that need to come forward today and give your life to Jesus. And we can fan that gospel flame in your life and see God take over. Stand with me as we pray. Father in heaven, we love you and praise you and thank you. God, you're good good beyond measure. Thank you for loving us. I pray, Lord God, that you give us a willingness to trust you even when we don't understand the way. Father God, that you draw, draw someone to yourself today. That today would be the day they turn from their, their sexual sin. Today would be the day they turn from their idolatry, their covetousness. Or today maybe is the day that that unfaithful wife repents. That unfaithful husband repents, Father God. Today is the day that we stop worrying about our pride. We trust that the gospel is enough. In Jesus' name, amen. Y'all sing with us. Come as the Lord calls. Don't wait.